This is Hearts of Oak Podcast. Free speech, religious disagreement, children's rights, and open and free discussion on any topic are bedrock to a democratic free society, and we seek to promote and champion these basic rights. Join us. Let's keep the conversation going. And hello, Hearts of Oak. Thank you so much for joining us on another News Review Week according to, and it is wonderful to have someone brand new on, and that is one and only Connor Tomlinson from Lotus Eaters. Connor, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much for having me on, Peter. Great to have you. And so much to go through, as always. But first, people can obviously find you on Lotus Eaters podcast, which I think for our US audience is probably the main alternative uh, daily show we have in the UK. Um, and your fantastic team there, headed up by Mr. Benjamin, uh, doing a phenomenal job. And I think for our US viewers, if you want to get a taste of what has happened in the UK, that is wonderful to go to at 1 p.m. UK or What's that? 8 a.m. Eastern? I think it's 8 a.m. Eastern. So for all those early birds, uh, you can get that. But you can follow Connor. That is his Twitter handle at the bottom. And that's what you will find if you head over to his uh, Twitter account. That That is what you will guess. Um, and you can follow him there. So I would encourage you to do that. Now, Connor, if we can maybe jump in. Actually, let me touch on an event that we have first. Uh, and then, um, yeah, then we can get on to the stories. And it is a great event we have coming up following on with Carl uh, Benjamin joined us at our first event. Um, and it was Carl and Andrew Bridgen. And we have a second event coming up. Uh, let me just bring up the screen. And it is with the wonderful Lawrence Fox and Calvin Robinson. Uh, both suffered cancellation in different ways, and it is a great mix of, I think, politics and also media. Um, and also, uh, Calvin is a Christian, is a church leader, and I think that also brings something completely different, certainly in the UK, uh, where that is less accepted, I think, than the US. So, without further ado, Let's jump in. Most of the stories are taken, I think they're all taken, Connor, from your Twitter timeline or Lotus Eaters News. Both of them are great sources of information. Um, and moving forward, because one or two of them don't cover so much. I think Lotus Eaters, it's a fair comment that um, that Carl comes from a conservative libertarian and will not get caught up on labels. And I think, Connor, I'm intrigued when you bring in a, a Christian ethos to some of those. Is that a, a fair comment? Yeah, we don't really know what Carl is these days. He calls himself a Protestant, so probably change tomorrow because it's fun. I would say I'm a uh, reactionary Catholic Zoomer. Let's let's put a nice little coin on that one. That's fine. We'll tag you and label you as that. But let's jump in. In the UK Parliament, uh, we have had a bit of fun, which is great, and it takes away from the dullness that we face. Um, and this has a couple of issues on it, and we'll not do it justice in five minutes, but. Um, this was the Speaker of the House of the House of Commons, who in effect is the chair uh, of the Commons, and he um, let some votes in um, that he should not have allowed, and there's been a whole debate, and this was over the whole issue of 
of Gaza, of the war that is happening there at the moment uh, between Israel and um, I even hold off and call it Palestinians, but those who define themselves as Palestinians across the border. Uh, and you'd put up here what the ceasefire vote fiasco reveals is not the per uh, partisan nature of parliamentary process rather than Hoyle fearing that has made members unsafe, which is another fantastic point. Do you want to lead with what you thought whenever this happened and then the Speaker of the House, his comments after and why he had allowed this vote to take place? Sure, just to flesh out the story a little bit, Stephen Flynn, who is the leader of the SNP in Westminster, not to be confused with Hamza Youssef, who is the head of the SNP in Scotland, the head of the party up there, who is himself a Palestinian. I believe his family is from Palestine. So he has been very forthright on calling for a ceasefire because he has ethnic and religious solidarity in that region. Stephen Flynn secured an opposite day vote. This means that one of the marginal parties that oppose the government but are not his Majesty's loyal opposition, which is the Labour Party, can act as the opposition and table a vote against the government. The Conservative Party had tabled an opposition motion to their SNP's call for an unconditional ceasefire to say they wanted a humanitarian pause to roll out aid to Gaza and the West Bank and also to extract the hostages that Hamas is still holding. In trying to appease both their Islamist base, who, like Hamza Yusuf, have ethnic and religious solidarity with Palestine, and also stave off the accusations of anti-Semitism that they had accrued under Jeremy Corbyn's leadership, Sakir Starmer decided to put forward a resolution for a conditional ceasefire. If you go and read the full resolution, it's basically a Christmas list for world peace. They want uh, Israel to not keep expanding its settler colonies, apparently. They want the Palestinians to not fight Israel. They want a two-state solution, and they want candy canes and unicorns. And... It's not going to come to pass. By the way, none of these votes are actually going to affect the conflict there whatsoever. This is just a bunch of posturing by politicians. Lindsay Hoyle, who is a Labour MP and also a Speaker of the House, decided to put Keir Starmer's amendment in the opposite day vote, which is not parliamentary procedure. And then he tried to justify it by saying, oh, the parliamentary procedures themselves are outdated. He was laughed at, and MPs actually decided to storm out when another Labour MP, Chris Bryant, who has lied about Nigel Farage in the Commons before, decided to say that the government has acted unethically here. And so the government ended up under Penny Mordaunt, who is the leader of the House of Commons, not Rishi Sunak, who's the Prime Minister, said that the government cannot even vote on this anymore. They can't even vote on their own motion because the procedures have been jettisoned. And now Stephen Flynn, who's head of the SNP, is calling for Lindsay Hoyle to go. In all of this fiasco, what is revealed is that Parliament is happy to jettison its own processes because they feel threatened by an Islamist constituency they have imported here. So Davis Amos was stabbed in 2021 by Ali Harbi Ali, who was an Islamist extremist who targeted Michael Gove and Mike Freer. Now, Mike Freer is the MP for Golders Green and Finchley. It's a heavily Jewish area. His office was firebombed on the 24th of December, and he has since resigned as an MP ahead of the next election. And when asked, why did you resign? What do you think motivated the people to firebomb your office? He said, email and social media has a lot to answer for, and we don't know Ali Harbi Ali's motivation. I might suggest he wasn't radicalized by social media, but by radical Islam. No politicians, not Lindsay Hoyle, who said after David Amos was stabbed that we just need a nicer, gentler politics, not Mark Francois, who was David Amos's friend, who said we need David's law to crack down on social media hate, not even Mike Freer, who was subjected to firebombings, will admit that the problem is radical Islam. This is why we have this vote. This is why MPs are being killed and intimidated, but they won't say about it because they're all complicit in bringing it to our shores. Just a very short response. Is this simply giving into the mob? Oh, absolutely. The day before this vote happened, they projected on the clock tower of Big Ben from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. They are outside parliament doing this agitation with the threat of force. And so these are the parliamentarians circumventing all their processes and doing this vote, not because lots of them care about Israel and Gaza, because lots of them are white leftists and liberals. 
is then voting for their lives. And they would not be in this position if they hadn't put the British public in this position by doing a policy of mass migration first. No, 100%. So this will run and run, and it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think 60 MPs have signed a motion of no confidence. That's 10%. So it is a chunk, but of course, is nowhere near a majority. Uh, So we'll see how this debate runs and runs. On to something completely different, on to media and allegations. And this is, and I know... um, I know, Connor, you do uh, lots of slots for for GB News and Talk TV, um, and those are probably the only alternative we have uh, under Ofcom and in the more mainstream. But this was Dan Wooten, who was a GB News presenter, and then lots of allegations have been made of a sexual nature, and he's been cleared by the Metropolitan Police. And I think I, when I first uh, heard these, I thought, well, I'm... They kind of maybe sound true and actually listen to Calvin and Calvin's response, maybe pull back and think, actually, come on, you give people a chance to present the facts. Um, And I thought how Calvin had responded uh, as a strong Christian with strong beliefs and yet looking at a friendship, um, he brought this. But he's been cleared of all these allegations, which are online allegations. at least the Met Police could do their job. But what you'd post this up. What were your thoughts on this, Connor, when you saw that Dan had been cleared? So full disclosure, I've been on Dan's show a couple of times, and I would consider Dan a friend, person in the space who has done great work on things like lockdown and migration. His show got the ratings for GB News as one of its flagship properties, and it totally deserved it. And so when I spoke to Dan about this, the what he essentially said was, I made the wrong choice in partner and this guy is gunning for my career and it's being enabled by media outlets that are opposed to what I say and GB News is an entity and they're running a smear campaign against me. And I took Dan on faith and it seems that that has been uh, accredited by the fact that the Met Police and also the Scottish Police who were launching a parallel investigation that was not reported on have both cleared him at the same time because this accusation seems both politically motivated and completely crackpot. And now it seems that Dan is going to go after Byline Times because they may have broken the law in reporting his name in conjunction with these allegations because you're not meant to release the name of a person unless they have been charged. And so Dan has a long way to go to rebuild his now uh, audience and status because it was deprived of him because he had his mail column taken from him and he had his GB News show taken from him. And that was at the same time as Lawrence Fox had his show taken from him for insulting Ava Evans, for the horrible crime of saying he didn't find her very attractive. And Calvin also had his show taken from him, is now with Lotus Eaters, because he said that this isn't fair to Lawrence and Dan. Now, I would like to point out, as someone who goes on GB News fairly frequently, and still as people who host shows there who are friends, Bev Turner, Patrick Christus, Neil Oliver, they're doing fantastic work. The problem is with the channel in that it seeks to, from day one, appease the people who will never be appeased. They were boycotted from the off with the advertisers. They have had multiple write-ups in The Guardian and the like. Ofcom has launched 13 investigations against them now. They're finally pushing back after the People's Forum because Ofcom is saying, oh, you gave Rishi Sunak too fair a shape. They put a transgender activist in the audience to ask him a question and then implied that the man who was talking about the vaccine damages he and other had suffered to Rishi Sunak, for the first time he's been encountered with that question by any of his constituents, that, oh, violence might have broken out. I think that's incredibly tepid if, if, you, if 
you know, if you catch my shrift. So the idea that Ofcom is an impartial arbiter is ridiculous. The idea that GB News should bend over backwards to appease activists who have boycotted their advertising, or the activists in Ofcom, or the activists in government like Caroline Dynage who have sent them letters trying to say that Bev Turner should lose her job because, like Dan Wooten, Russell Brand should face a day in court if there are allegations that are substantiated before having his livelihood taken away from him. The idea that GB News should bend to any of these people is wrong. And I think, frankly, they've made a mistake in getting rid of Dan. And so I wish Dan the best of luck with whatever he decides to do next. Obviously, Dan Dan Hayden pointed out um, from the sun. Uh, But I I guess you look at this from their point of view. I mean, as things grow, uh, uh, Lotus Eaters being uh, as influential as they are, you always still will make editorial decisions. Um, And Dan has been very, he's been quiet. He's waited for this to come out. Um, And I guess there is, we're all going to face this massive struggle with Ofcom overreaching and overseeing everything because that's on tv but then when ofcom have full power online um i guess we'll all fall under this fear of ofcom yeah lucy fraser in response to the i can't remember which mp raised it now with her in response to the fact that they that ofcom seems to be partisan against gb news and they were concerned that with the online harms bill, online safety bill, whatever dystopian name they're calling it now, it will get jurisdiction and editorial control over all of the internet to mandate outlets like Lotus Eaters be neutral and to police their comment section as if it's the, the property and the opinions of the hosts. She said, don't worry, Ofcom is very neutral. So what that implies there is that the persecution of GB News is not a aberration, is actually the express purpose of Ofcom. It is to entrench the mainstream ossified parameters of the liberal paradigm. And anyone that questions anything, be it from lockdown to systemic racism to climate change, is to be played whack-a-mole with by the attack dogs of the institutions. And and so we should be under no illusion that Ofcom is going to be fair and impartial when it starts cracking down on us. And I hesitate to predict what form that's going to take, especially under the next Labour government, who Annalise Dodds and Keir Starmer uh, equalities, shadow qualities minister and, and prime minister in waiting now have both said, yeah, we plan to criminalise misgendering online. Great. Yeah, it's going to go from the frying pan into the fire, 100%. And I hope and pray that Dan is empowered and emboldened by this and actually is able to be a, a voice uh, for sensibility, for freedom and for pushing back on those controls. So um, looking forward to seeing Dan all over our screens ASAP. Um, let's go. You mentioned Labour and the um, uh, the actual what they want to bring in on the area of sexuality or gender. And here's a story which obviously we see each week, different places, basically more or less the same type of story, just different location, different names, different people. And this is British soldiers, <laughs> British soldiers transitioning to be women can live in female-only barracks as soon as the transition process begins, official guidelines state. Um, so if they're transitioning from men to women, well, well good luck with that, um, can live in female-only barracks. Um, I kind of thought we probably have bigger issues with our military, um, like lack of people to serve, lack of ammunition because we've given it all away. Probably people thinking they're in the wrong body is not the main issue, but kind of we mock this but also this is what is happening but connor i get your thoughts on this so there are two things here yes recruitment is down it's because you've denigrated the exact kind of patriotic 
native men who are most likely to save their country as denizens of cis white heteropatriarchy for the last couple of decades. For example, the RAF calling any competent pilot a useless white male and saying that we don't want more of them. Oh, that's excellent when all your fighter jets start falling out the sky because you've got a bunch of unqualified diversity hires flying, flying them against China or whatever. Terrible idea. But then the other side to this is this is actually now an element of concern because what is the recruiting pool if it's not the, quote, useless white men? It's the super diversity. It's the intersectional coalition. It's a bunch of autogynophiles who have been raised on pornography from the average age of 11 and are now indoctrinated into thinking that their body is a prison. And if they stick on a dress and a bit of lipstick, they can be called Gertrude. And the major problem with this is, first of all, I don't think women should be in frontline combat roles anyway. I think any civilization that puts its women in the firing line is it can't justify itself. There should be men doing that role. But if women are in army barracks and they're paired up with a bunch of men who think that they're women, if you look at the crime statistics per capita, transgender identifying males are largely overrepresented for sex crimes in prisons. So putting them in the proximity of women is a genuine danger to the health and safety of the women. But even if you had a wonderful transgender person that their delusion did not impact them and, and push them towards criminality and whatsoever and did not make them a physical threat to women, it is categorically untrue that you are a woman. You are a man, you will always be a man, and therefore we should abide by truth and reality, particularly if we're doing important things like fighting wars. So I don't want to lose a war, I don't want anyone who's female in the military to be raped, and I don't want to pander the delusions of someone who is either woefully misguided or predatory. Well, maybe as we probably won't be able to fight any wars any longer uh, because the military has been so decimated. Uh, maybe the military has now become just a, a test bed for this because we see it happen in schools. But then the military, whenever you go on exercises, never having served in the military, wanting to join the RAF as a, as a kid um, and been through all of that during school. But it's a, a close bond uh, of friendship of people who become so attached because they are there as a unit on patrol abroad um and and that closeness will really be absolutely damaged and destroyed if if this comes in so it's yeah going from the school i guess into these industries and we've always held a high regard to our british military but maybe they're just a test bed for this book now Oh, if it was reformed, it would be a fantastic institution to help give structure to the lives of confused young men who have grown up without fathers. It's nearly 50% now that have grown up between two households without their dad present at all or scarcely present. If you read Rob Henderson's book, Fantastic Psychologist, uh, Troubled, it's autobiographical. He invented the term luxury beliefs to designate the elite class as holding these intersectional opinions that give them social clout, but that they have undue costs on the lower classes. For example, defund the police. They've got private security. The inner city black kid who just wants to get by at school is surrounded by gang shootings and his neighborhood isn't being policed anymore. He's walking through the firing line. Rob, was in the foster care system, and then he spent seven years in the RAF, and it made him a credible academic, and now worldwide and famous. And he said, if I didn't have this military structure, I wouldn't be nearly the productive individual I am today. Lots of people aren't going to gravitate towards that, not just because of the intersectional messaging, not just because of the vaccine mandates, but also look at every single war that they want us involved in. Why would I want to do a ground invasion of Russia to shoot at some poor Russian conscript who just wants to go home to his wife and family? Why would I want to invade Iraq and blow it up on behalf of the Bidens to get house-building contracts? No blooming thank you. You hear about all the time on even, even these networks that are meant to be on our side, Talk TV and GB News, saying, oh, Gen Z are too woke to fight in war. Sorry, what causes am I going to war for? I don't want to spend pride parades to Afghanistan, thank you very much. So excuse me if I don't sign up tomorrow. 100%. Um, and fatherlessness is a huge issue, and I think that lies at the basis of a lot of these problems that we are having um, with individual confusion, family breakdown, 
all of that area. But we'll not touch that. Well, first of all, I want to bring uh, breaking news here. Uh, maybe for the first time ever, we will announce that men and women's brains do work differently. Scientists discover for the first time. I cannot believe first time. Of course, the Telegraph is reporting, so I'll have to take it as gospel. But the brains of men and women, they operate differently. Santa's shown for the first time in a breakthrough that shows sex does matter in how people think and behave. Um, I cannot believe such an anti-trans, uh, anti-LGBT, anti-women report has come out. Surely they should be suppressed, Connor. What, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, study confirms that our eyes work and have done for millennia. I mean, I'm, I'm glad the Telegraph have decided to tell me in 2024 that women and men are different because I've been having sex with women for years and it turns out I didn't know what I was sleeping with this whole time. I've been funny as well. It's not even the first time this has been done. In 2019, there was a study where they used brain imaging on unborn fetuses. Now, un unless you're putting an earphone up of Andrew Tate clips to the womb, I don't think women have been... A indoctrinated by toxic patriarchy at that stage. Um, and also, you know, I've been reliably informed it's not even a human yet, so you can't exactly be brainwashed, but I'll take their progressive's word for it. And they found that the, the, the thickness of the brain matter was different between male and female fetuses. So it is clearly biologically baked. They've done brain scans on transgender individuals and compared them to their actual male and female counterparts. And the brains of those transgender individuals are substantively different to the men and the women that they want to be. So there's no such thing as a female brain in a male body, as Eric Weinstein, despite being an accredited scientist, seems to believe. But there are clear biological differences between men and women. Jordan Peterson's been saying this for over 10 years as to the Scandinavian studies, where if you eliminate the sociological pressures that push you towards a given gender role, and you try and make society really egalitarian with equality of opportunity, in that vacuum, biological differences maximize, and so they're the least egalitarian and the most gender divided along biological lines. So we didn't need study to come and tell us that men and women are different, they think differently, and these manifest in different behaviors. But the telling thing about this is the fact that we need to trip over ourselves to accommodate a thin sliver of insane radical activists whose delusions are being legitimated by transhumanist technology tells you that evidence doesn't actually matter to these people. It's actually pointless to kind of do these studies because we already know it already. We don't need to report it as in transgenderism has finally been debunked, guys. They have a magical belief. It's wish fulfillment. They are lost in ideology and they are lost in a kind of, and I know there are people going out there and saying everything is Gnostic these days to distract from the faults of liberalism, but a kind of Gnostic belief that suddenly your body can just be chopped and changed to align to your gendered soul that's been imprisoned in it. You can't reason with these people. They will not be convinced. There are some detransitions that still need to be spoken to. About 30% were the last statistic that I heard and they're being suppressed. But all of these studies in the world won't convince the most delusional trans activists. Just ignore them and move on. I mean, you're 100% right. It's the abandonment of truth. Uh, a question, you know, as Christians, uh, Pontius Pilate asked 2,000 years ago, what is truth? And we've always kind of been able to answer that. Now we find that you can present this information as factual, um, and it will simply be dismissed because this isn't someone's lived reality. Um, I mean, is, is that the basis of, I mentioned fatherless is one of the basis, but just that children no longer are given what is truth and those are the guidelines to live in they can accept whatever reality they want and therefore they don't have to accept any studies any legitimacy like this because what they believe is correct there are cultural reasons and there are also social factors the social factors are really dark and depressing 
anyone who wants to look at the adverse childhood experience scores that the CDC and Kaiser put out years ago, if you have a score of four or more out of 10 on this quick questionnaire, you're more likely to end up in prison, end up taking drugs, end up having early onset childhood sexual experiences, end up having cancers and mental health issues, and yes, more likely to suffer from gender confusion. So I do think there is an epidemic of unspoken childhood trauma, either through family separation or physical abuse that is going on here. If you look at the policy exchange report that came out in the UK last year, they found a massive overrepresentation of girls in the foster care system, where we know abuse was rampant, including some of those girls being subject to the grooming gangs of Rotherham and Rochdale, in the reports to Tavistock. So there is a major unspoken issue here. But you're right, the abolition of Christianity has led to a lack of consensus around what truth is and a lack of prerequisite investment in valuing the truth. If you don't value objective truth, you only value power, which can enact your experience and your will in the world. And so these people are happy to bend facts and logic to their will so that they can have uh, an opt-in experience of humanity. And I just think it's mental. And so we do need to return to a shared cultural understanding of truth. And frankly, I don't think we really get that without Christianity. It is mental, but we'll not get into people's mental issues because that <laughs> lies at the basis of possibly a lot of this. Um, on to Nurse, which is a very uh, dark story. Um, and I, I hope that it does get a lot of airing because it's essential for the public to be aware of what is happening. Um, and this is, and Lotus Ears News put this up from the BBC, Martin Yates, 48, who helped run a global child abuse website on the dark web, has been jailed for five years and four months. The site had about 90,000 members worldwide who used it to share sexual abuse material of babies and toddlers. Now, it is a, a sickening story. Um, someone has been punished I have a number of thoughts on this. Um, t tell us tell us your thoughts, Connor. I got in trouble a little while ago for going on breakfast television and violating one of the taboos. I mean, the first taboo is that breakfast television is always meant to be light and airy, and that's not necessarily my disposition. But the other taboo was that I insinuated, or rather I stated outright, why does civilization care more about the feelings of a criminal than it does the aggrieved families of their victims? And when I was asked, oh, isn't it really cruel that they put this man to death, who was a hitman who killed a mother in America, and that he struggled and suffered because they got the lethal injection wrong? And I said, so? Why should I care? Yeah, I care about the method of execution only insofar as it's expensive and needlessly uh, elongated. Rope is cheap, quick, and a British tradition and we should use it more often. Why is this man not only only sentenced to five years, why is he alive? We have the proof that he's committed these crimes, just like the Lee ridiculous, he is unrepentant in doing so, he has admitted to doing so, he has harmed countless children. Why is this man now put up, head and board, for the next five years, probably less with quote, quote, good behavior, and the rate these parole boards let them out is mental. I mean, Colin Pitchfork murdered two girls, was let out, and was prowling around a schoolgirl's gates a couple of days later. So we know the kind of leniency the justice system has. Why is this man put up at the expense of the families and the children when they grow older, who are trying to get on with their lives, pay taxes, live in a peaceful society? Why are they paying for his bed and board when? Military veterans are sleeping on the streets and suffering from addiction and the like. Why, for example, the grooming gangs of those who were prosecuted were given lenient sentences and their victims encountered them in nightclubs and in Asda later on? Why is this happening? Why are these people here? If they're foreigners and they've committed crimes, they should be deported. If they're British nationals and they've committed egregious crimes and is beyond uh, the, the proof that they could possibly be innocent, why are they not hanging? But it, it, 
what are your thoughts on how, what this, how this is a reflection on 14 years of a conservative government in name only? Because as you mentioned, the grooming gangs, I mean, the, um, the, the case we've been working with Liz, uh, her perpetrator, two charges of child rape, and he's locked away for, I think, five years, just over five years. He got out after two and a half for good behavior because I guess he didn't rape anyone in jail. Um, I don't know if that was available to him. So he's left out after two and a half years, uh, a free man. Um, and how is it possible? I, I, I'm on the fence on capital punishment, but put this person away for life until you're 100% certain they will not do this. Um, and I don't know why there's not an outcry, even on the BB, when I've read elsewhere, there doesn't seem to be an outcry that this person is jailed for such a short time and will be out after two and a half years. Um, it's, it's, it's this fallen belief in our media that the, the justice system is good and it's done its job and it hasn't. It's not just the belief in the justice system being good. It's the belief, the fundamentally mistaken belief, that everyone can be rehabilitated. And it's born from a kind of blank slate optimism. It, it's rooted in liberalism, in the belief that everyone is fundamentally egalitarian and all the same before we constructed different societies and shaped ourselves in different ways. But obviously, geography, ethnicity, diet, um, the kinds of relationships you have, these shape people over generations and result in different people acting in different ways, on average, of course. So when you encounter people who are so solipsistic, the best clip of this was Ross Kemp a couple of years ago talking to some South African rapists that went round on X recently. They were so solipsistic that he says, oh, are you not, do, you, do you not feel bad about raping people? And they go, yeah, because we might get caught. No, do you not feel bad? Oh, yeah, because we might get AIDS, or we might get pregnant, or we might, we might get scratched, or we might get found out. No, do you, do you not feel bad about how your victim might feel? And they just look at him with blank expressions. These people genuinely cannot think outside their own head and empathize with other people. They don't think other people exist. All they think about is what I can get versus the trade-off of what it will cost me. And so you have to make the cost so high, lethally high, to deter them from doing so. And those that still take that chance, well, we can assist them to being judged by their makeup very quickly. And uh, frankly, this was the norm throughout history until the 1960s when a socialist in the Labour Party decided to abolish it off of a couple of marginal cases that should not have been carried out. Uh, Ruth, I forget her last name, who killed her abusive husband and was hung for it, shouldn't have happened. But con contravening that, should the Lee Reaper killers be alive? No, because they can't be rehabilitated. Not everyone can have sufficient pool tables or lawyer classes or prevent sessions and they'll suddenly be a, a productive member of society. It's a delusion that is literally costing us lives. Of course, when you abandon the concept of original sin and say that everyone is intrinsically good, then this is where you get. But that's a whole other. Let's go on to um, COVID vaccine. And it's something we talk about probably too much at Hearts of Oak. I don't know. But here is BBC. Interesting. The, me the, the mainstream media, the legacy media, are beginning to cover this. I've seen this in the last month, a number of stories. Uh, BBC and the Daily Mail have ventured into this area. But widow sues AstraZeneca after husband's COVID-19 vaccine death. Um, she's suing after husband died from a, quotations, rare reaction. Now, it still killed him. To the company's COVID-19 vaccine. Father of two, Neil Miller, 50, developed fatal blood clotting after receiving the jab in March 2021. And I've talked to a lot of people who have been vaccine injured. Obviously, you touched on GB News. Neil Oliver uh, does this a lot. Mark Stein did a lot. Um, yeah, we're seeing this more and more, and it it does seem to have affected people, and their stories are now coming out. 
Yeah, there's a BBC presenter, former BBC presenter who died and his lawyers are representing at least 75 other families who are trying to sue AstraZeneca under a 1987 commune, uh, consumer protections law. The, the problem is the only thing the COVID vaccine immunised was the companies from the liability of killing the people that were forced to take it. Forced or coerced. And I think they're indistinguishable because we in Britain and, and anyone who still isn't persuaded by this should read Laura Dodsworth's book, A State of Fear, which catalogues the extent to which psychological warfare operations were waged on the British public at their expense to terrify them into being locked in their homes and fearing they would kill their own grandmothers if they didn't take an experimental procedure. Now, if you look at a bunch of other studies that have come out since, uh, I, I forget the uh, doctor's name in the top of my head, but he had estimated that about 50% of the UK's excess deaths were attributable to the COVID-19 vaccine. And the ONS wrote a letter in rejoinder and said, ah, but you've only used a sample size of 79% of the population because they were registered to a GP. If you look at most other studies' sample sizes, you would not dream of getting a sample size of that high. So even if you miss some people off, 50% of excess deaths are attributable to COVID-19 vaccines. This should be a mass scandal. And it isn't because too many people have either on the government side, quite literally bought into the vaccine companies because they don't have to report their stock earnings, or they went along with it out of fear and stupidity, and now they would be culpable for this as well. We know from estimates, I think it was Brett Weinstein, Eric's probably slightly more prudent brother, who was estimated in the millions of people may be suffering adverse health effects or deaths from this, which is staggering. We now have listed uh, from a study that was po posted in the National Library of Medicine of 590,000 people that myocarditis and pericarditis didn't come from COVID-19. They couldn't find any link between infection with the virus and this, but they could find it in a recent Bloomberg article that was published from a recent study from taking the jab. We now have blindness and psychosis as symptoms of the jab that have been listed and recognized by the World Health Organization that conveniently wants to lock us down again and force us to take a vaccine for disease X, which is being developed at a UK bioweapons lab. Oh, that's really comforting. All of this stuff is insane, and in a saner time, it would be dealt with. But pardon the pun, I won't hold my breath for any accountability here, sadly. Well, because when I, I had, uh, we had Wayne Connington on yesterday and uh, a couple of days ago, and he is had uh, huge adverse effects from the jab. Um, and talking to Robert Malone, I think in a Monday interview or Tuesday, uh, discussing whether it's possible for these companies to be held account. And I think I saw recently, not Andrew Bridgen had pulled together a cross-party group to begin to pose questions. Um, that's the first time I've seen a breakthrough because Andrew Bridges has been leading that conversation about vaccine harms, but actually now to have a cross-party. Um, and I'm, I kind of, I might even be starting to believe that a conversation could be happening. I don't want to disappoint myself and I zero trust in our British establishment, uh, in our MPs, but I don't know whether that may be a breakthrough. Do you think that's possible? I would doubt that for a couple of reasons. First of all, the vaccine payment scheme makes people jump through so many hurdles to get it and that the money is still not coming from the companies, it's coming from the taxpayer. So it's coming from your own pocket. So we procure the vaccine from your own pocket, we lock you down from your own pocket, and then you're getting a little bit of a dispensation back if you can go through the bother of hiring a lawyer to do so. And then a lot of the cross-party MPs, uh, no one should be under any illusion that this is not the majority of the Labour Party. This is this is uh, Christopher Chope, I believe, and Miriam Cates and Danny Kruger, and these are a lot of people, I think Danny's going to keep his seat, but Miriam's probably going to be voted out of the next election, gutting, because she's like the only decent MP in there. So 
most of the MPs that are signing on to this will not be around in a few months. And I highly doubt that the Labour Party are who are uh, happy with... They've, they've already signed off on all of the WHO's pandemic preparedness treaty amendments, even though we didn't propose any and we didn't, we voted against Dr. Tedros, they're not going to be keen to advocate on behalf of the British people because they wanted to lock down further, faster and quicker. And they wanted vaccines to be mandatory per the vaccine passport. So I don't think we're going to get any justice from the government here. Um, I regret to report that because anyone, including my own grandfather, who likely has had, after over 50 years of being a builder and I've worked with them, He's an absolutely lovely man. Uh, likely his rheumatoid arthritis that rendered him chair-ridden and caused him to have his knee replaced and probably get the other one now was accelerated by taking multiple COVID jabs. Um, I don't think these people are going to get any kind of compensation whatsoever. And I, I think it's an atrocity. Completely. Completely. Let's move on to pro-life. And this is fascinating story. New York Post, male-led... I don't know whether why it matters uh, who leads it, uh, as long as it's led. Male-led anti-abortion society. Well, it could be a pro-life, but anyway, obviously wording matters here. At UK University, leaves female students fearing for their safety. As this has been formed at the University of Manchester and has left female students fearing for their safety and calling for the club to be disbanded. The Manchester Pro-Life Society has received massive backlash since its creation uh, in mid-January as the once all-male group aims to promote respect for the dignity of human life from conception. Um, Connor, it shows where we are, that the respect for the dignity of human life from conception, that statement supposedly leaves people fearing for their safety. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's symptomatic of the loss of moral conscience that Societies like this are closed down, and women like Isabel Vaughan Spruce, who stands on a street corner and silently mourns dead children, is arrested multiple times. But the, the consciences of baby murderers are required to, to be assuaged, both in legislation and in the newspapers. I mean, the Independent picked up a piece from one of the students at this university and let her say that this is the start of The Handmaid's Tale. I mean, we, we don't quite need to go into your weird masochistic feminist dystopia to say that we probably shouldn't kill children in the womb on, on behalf of those who can't advocate for themselves. I'm, I'm actually meant to be, at some point if this comes to pass, involved in a BBC documentary on this and being interviewed about younger people who are against abortion in the overturning of Roe v. Wade in the UK. And one thing I, I can't wait to point out, really, and I, I can't wait to point out because it's actually deeply sad and not hit on enough. Um, lots of people got angry at Dave Chappelle for Sticks and Stones. So that was the first time he made a transgender joke. But I found myself quite horrified at the fact that the audience clapped during that special when he said he was for abortion, but you are in fact killing a baby. And if you're going to kill him, I can at least abandon him, my money, my choice. That is the position that sexual revolution has put us in. It has put the position of rather than a dependent infant, a miracle of life created between two people, um, as if it's an unintended pregnancy, the opportunity for a man or woman to say, okay, we won't expect it to be in this scenario, but I can grow to love you, you can grow to love me. And for the sake of the one person, the baby, who doesn't get a say in this relationship, we owe everything to them. So we should be the kind of parents that they would choose if they could choose it. Instead, it's now an antagonistic zero-sum game to say, well, it was your choice to sleep with me, so you should kill it. Or, well, it was your choice to sleep with me, so I'm going to use this baby as a bargaining chip to extort money for you for the rest of your life. It makes men and women hate each other. It makes children feel unloved. And it makes the kind of civilization that isn't worth saving if they can't protect their own children. So I think, actually, we should ban any pro-abortion society because it's a glorification of violence against those who least deserve it. 
100%. And this is my, as a Christian, it's my red line that you have to stand up for those who are most vulnerable in Saudi and are voiceless. Um, and I saw there was a BB, as he was on BBC Today program, and I I listened to it. Apologies for listening to Radio 4, but listened to it driving out to an appointment yesterday morning. And I heard something, thought, wow, stuck in my mind. And then I saw um, a, um, a good friend, Ruth Rollins, had actually posted it. And the BBC referred to uh, a bill or proposal to give parents who lose a child, I think under 24 weeks to get the right to birth certificate. And the BBC were talking about um, parents who lose a baby before 24 weeks. Or I thought that's a change in language because it, they, I thought they would say a, um, you know, two people who've come together who might have a fetus growing up to a human being or sad that it'll not be with them, but actually it was a parent and baby. And, I don't know whether that is a, a change in the language or just simply a misspeak from the BBC. No, I think it's one of the fault lines of liberal logic in that life is only conditional on if it was consented to and wanted. And you can see this in the flip side. There's no sanctity of life in this mechanistic, materialistic world. You can see this in the major push at the moment for bringing assisted dying to the UK. We've got this since Esther Ranson's stories hit the headlines. Now we've got free vote petitions and... Uh, pre-scripted letters you can send to your MP. It's a very current thing. It's very mobilised. We've got a story in Coronation Street that's trying to brainwash the boomers into accepting it. Keir Starmer's already said when he gets into the government in a few months' time that he's going to push for it. The belief is that as soon as your meat-only experience machine stops interfacing with the world and stops being able to feel pleasure, the moment your subjective experience starts deteriorating, you don't have any relationships, you don't have any sanctity that you've inherited from a divine principle you don't have any obligations to other people to be around and live your last moments with them just step in the pod press the button and we'll euthanize you and scatter your ashes as fertilizer for net zero or whatever and it's the same thing with abortion it's oh you you did want it oh okay we're so sorry for your loss we're so sorry that uh, you were kicked down the stairs while pregnant and you've suffered a miscarriage we're, we're so sorry that your covid vaccine has induced a miscarriage in you oh but you didn't want it. Oh, right this way, man. Oh, oh, you're suffering from a mental health issue? Oh, when the baby's crowning, don't worry, we'll crack its head open and suck its guts out of the vacuum. Any civilization that sees that divide as acceptable and not a grievous miscarriage of justice against the most innocent in, in its society, again, doesn't worth, uh, isn't worth preserving. And I could talk about this for the next hour with you, but let's go to our final story uh, because I will not. And this is touching on the military. We we touched on before on um, on the new push for woke ideology within the military. Um, and this is British nuclear missile misfires and crashes into ocean. And I heard this uh, might have been on GB News talking about it. But a Trident nuclear missile misfired and crashed in the ocean near the submarine that launched it during a test last month. It has been reported. It's a second misfire in a row after a failed launch in 2016. I don't know where that means the only test them every seven years. Uh, but it again, if you cut back, cut back, then you don't have the ability uh, to arm yourself, to defend yourself. Um, and it says later these submarines, four billion go into this. Um, and you really do worry. Again, this has happened under a so-called conservative government that used to be actually for law and order, for protection, for borders, for uh, military independence. Um, and you kind of put your head in your hands thinking maybe this is just a move from the power that we have seen in countries in the West, actually a shift, a geopolitical switch. But yeah, um, nuclear missiles misfiring. Should we be worried? 
well, we should be worried considering that Grant Shapps is now defense minister. And I have spoken to someone who's worked very closely with him over the years. And you know when sometimes we can't tell whether our politicians are malevolent or just stupid? Uh, Grant Shapps is thick as concrete. He'll genuinely get a phone call from the prior day from Bill Gates and call up one of his staff and say, I've got this amazing idea. We need to immediately change all policy because I've been told that this is the best current thing. So he doesn't know what he believes, but he's in charge of military policy. And if you look at the integrated review, I think it's from 2021 now, the chief concerns were, can we fortify our equipment ahead of a coming climate catastrophe? So they are just sinking money into diversity, equity, inclusion, and climate communism. And they were saying, oh, China might be a threat, but also China's strategic partner on climate change. So you're counteracting your own goals there. So the people who might be stumbling upon this broadcast, and I mean, first of all, what are you doing on Rumble? You're better off on The Guardian. But that might say, oh, can't we do all these things at once? Um, first of all, no, we've only got a finite amount of attention, resources, and wealth. And so I would prefer to spend them on upgrading our nuclear arsenal and ensuring that we have a sufficient deterrence so that we don't have to enter a war in the first place. But why is it a desirable quality for the military to go around evangelizing on the gospel of woke racism? Like th- This is the kind of complete ideological capture of all institutions, of all sectors of public and private life that you would see in a socialist tyranny in the 20th century. So why are we replicating this now? Uh, it's clearly to the detriment of our capacities to be a sovereign and well-defended nation. Jettison that focus more on accurately arming ourselves. I will say to people as well that are worried that we might have lived near this. This was fired off the coast of Florida. This was a dummy rocket. It wasn't going to be a massive nuclear warhead. Though, given the state of some of the spring breakers that descend on there every year, you would be forgiven if you thought bioaccumulation had turned that population into weird mutants. So, When uh, I was listening, there were some military officials saying, don't worry to the public on the radio because we have a submarine stationed in the North Atlantic and it is ready to protect us. But as we have two aircraft carriers, which actually couldn't go out to sea and one ship that actually it was wired incorrectly. So instead of going forward, it went back Um, and we don't have enough sailors to go on most of our ships. uh, And you've got aircraft that are pillaged for equipment. You kind of think, well, it doesn't really fill me with any confidence. I think the, the British public will just see through it. Yeah, we've got the lowest number of reservists since the Napoleonic Wars. We've got absolutely no faith in ourselves as a nation. We don't know what we're fighting for. If you ask for British values these days, your average institutional occupant will say tolerance, diversity, and I don't know, chicken tikka masala. Uh, that's not worthy of invading Taiwan to protect it against the Chinese for, and I'm not saying we should do that either. And also, what, what are the wars that are being fought at the moment? I already referenced Ukraine, but... Israel, okay, fine. I'm, I'm, I'm fine for Israel utterly decimating Hamas. I'm not particularly interested in talking about the proportionality of their response. If anything, uh, strong borders, strong economic growth, a religious protectionist um, integrative immigration policy, and a forward-facing belief in itself as a nation. I'd quite like what Israel has for the UK, thank you very much. But it doesn't mean I want to go over there and blow up a bunch of Palestinians on their behalf. Why should I be stationed there? So what is the purpose of a military? It is to defend ourselves. We should be well-armed and prepared for if we are invaded. But it doesn't mean I also want to go and invade elsewhere. Oh, completely. Connor, really appreciate you coming along. Um, thank you so much Pleasure. for on my list for quite a while. So it was great having you on. Um, just remind the viewers what they can get at Lotus Eaters for especially US viewers, which I started with. So let's end with that. Yeah, fantastic. Lotusseaters.com is 
probably the largest independent media company in the UK now. We don't really have a daily wire, but we'd love to be it in the future. We'll film one o'clock every day on weekdays. We do a new show on current affairs with some of my co-hosts. It's very laid back. It's very comical, but we post all our sources in the description. So you'll be able to get a nice, well-rounded perspective on UK-centric, but also US and world politics and culture. And then behind the paywall for as little as £5 a month, you can watch all of our premium series. We've got uh, long-form discussions on philosophy, economics, history, book reviews, interviews, and we've got a, a lads hour, which is basically like the view for men, which means it's much higher IQ and actually funny for once. And then if you want to follow the stuff that I put out, I'm occasionally on GB News and Talk TV. I write for The Critic and The European Conservative, and I post all of those links and clips over at atcon underscore Tomlinson on Twitter or X, whatever Elon's calling it these days. Perfect. Thank you, Connor. And just to the viewers, uh, we hope to see as many of you as possible out on Friday. Uh, go and get your tickets. Click on our link or David Vance's link. And uh, looking forward to having Calvin and Laza there. And we'll be back with you on Monday. I think we have uh, Noor Bin Laden with us on Monday. And the Warren Posse will know her well from her many reports uh, from Davos and focusing on the WEF. So tune in on Monday for Noor. So on that, thank you very much. And have a great rest of your day. If you like what we do, sign up to our mailing list. Donate, share, and subscribe to our many platforms at heartsofvoke.org. Thank you for listening.